0: But a few weeks ago, we started looking at a series that we're continuing today, and we've been talking about what it means to have the mind of Christ. And we've been looking specifically at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting with verse 6, and we've been going down to verse 16, and we've been reading this same section every week, but then emphasizing certain aspects of it, and, and trying to understand what it means for us to be blessed with the mind of Christ, like this scripture describes. So if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you're using the Bibles in front of you, it'll be on page 953, page 953, 1 Corinthians 2, I'm going to pick up again at verse 6, and I'm going to read down to verse 16 as we talk about the mind of Christ, and even as you're turning there, I'll mention this. Today, we're going to be talking about this idea of understanding what God is trying to say. We're going to wrestle with that. What does it mean to understand what God is trying to say, or do we actually understand what God is trying to say? Paul's going to emphasize that and talk about that in the passage we're highlighting today. Again, 1 Corinthians 2, starting with verse 6, it says this, "'Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom,' Now this is where we're going to emphasize today, picking up at verse 10, it says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to be able to carve out some time together today to look at this portion of your word. Lord, we're grateful for it. We're grateful for what you've revealed to us in it. We're grateful for the ways in which you choose to bless us. And one of the blessings that you've clearly given your followers is your mind, the ability to see things the way you see things and perceive things the way you perceive them. And so, Lord, as we look at this portion of Scripture that we're looking at today, and as we wrestle with the question of whether or not we understand what you're really trying to say to us, we pray, Lord, that you'd open our minds and that you'd open our hearts to understand these truths and that by your grace we would grow together now as we look at your Word. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege to do so, and we commit this time to your care. And We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So one of the greatest blessings that you and I possess as followers of Jesus is his wisdom and his mind. And we've been talking about that for a group of weeks here. But through Jesus, we have a brand new perspective. Through Jesus, we have brand new eyes, so we see things and perceive things differently. We have a brand new outlook, so your outlook, my outlook toward the future, even toward our current circumstances, it's brand new because Christ has enabled us to see things the way He sees things. There are things we are being divinely equipped to understand that an unbelieving world cannot comprehend. There are things that you have been divinely equipped to understand that those who do not share faith, don't get. They don't understand. The other day, I had to make a long drive. I was very tired while I was making the drive, particularly on the drive back, but I had to drive up to the Scranton area. A, a friend of mine, in fact, it was uh, the, the man who was the pastor of my church when I was growing up, passed away last week, and so they had his funeral on Thursday, and so I drove up and um, had the chance to share a few things at his funeral. But as I was driving, it was, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour drive one of the things that I like to do while I'm driving, if I can kind of schedule it out and plan it out, is to think through phone calls that I've been waiting to make. And I find that it's a very practical use of the time to make those phone calls while I'm driving. And, um, and you know, in addition to making the calls, it's also something that helps me to stay alert and awake while I'm driving. And so I had scheduled uh, to make a phone call with a person who oversees a missions travel agency. So he helps missionaries travel to the areas internationally that they're going to be serving. He helps organize different missions trips. Uh, He and I recently got to know each other, and we wanted to hear a little bit more about each other's ministries, and so I said to him, hey, on Thursday, I have an early morning drive. It's going to be kind of long. Would you have time? He's in the central time zone, and so I wasn't sure if he'd want to get up quite that early, but I said, would you like to maybe just catch up and learn a little bit more about each other's ministries? I'll have some time to chat while I'm making that drive, and he said, yeah, that'd actually be perfect, and so he and I were talking as, as I was making that drive. And it was an interesting conversation. I was fascinated to hear about his ministry and the ways in which he was serving missionaries throughout the world, and I wanted to hear more about what he was saying, but you know how it goes when you're making a long drive. Inevitably, you come to a spot where reception gives out on you. And I knew that spot was coming up, but we hadn't quite finished the call. And I was getting to a spot where it's mostly farm area, because I take the back way up to northeast PA. And there's this area that's farm area, and it's not highly populated along the journey. And inevitably, I either lose reception there or my reception gets spotty. And that's what started to happen. My phone started to cut out. He wasn't moving. I knew it was my fault uh, as I'm driving there. And it started cutting out, and I'm trying to listen to what he's saying. And at first, I think, all right, I'm I'm catching. I could still piece together what he's saying. But then after a little bit, it got to the point where I had no idea what he was trying to tell me. And this is the first long conversation I've had with this guy, and I've been trying to you know, connect with him for a while, and I thought, all right, um, I don't know how to tell him. I don't know what he's trying to tell me. And I didn't want to be rude. And then finally, I just had to admit, you know what, like... I'm, I'm losing reception. It might, this is about to cut out. I, I'm not understanding what you're saying anymore. We'll have to catch up in a little bit, and we kind of finish the conversation later in the day via text, uh, but I felt bad because I got to a spot where I couldn't understand him anymore, and I bring that up because as we look at this portion of Scripture, one of the things that it reveals to us is that God communicates with humanity, and he wants us to understand what he's trying to say. He wants us to get it. He wants us to hear Him. He wants us to understand Him. Some people think that God wants to remain mysterious to us and off at a distance and and cryptic and unknowable, but that's not how He's presented Himself to us. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to understand Him. He wants us to understand what He's trying to say. Some of us hear His voice and some of us don't. Some of us clearly understand what he's trying to tell us, and some of us don't have a clue about what he's saying. And so when you get to a portion of Scripture like we're looking at today, it's worth emphasizing because one of the most important things that you will ever do in your life is hear the voice of God. Hear and understand what he's trying to communicate because he makes himself plain. He's not trying to remain hidden from you. And Paul explains why some hear him and why some don't. And I think that if we know this and if we understand this, we can very firmly place our feet in the camp of those who hear the voice of God so that we spend our lives with that kind of enlightenment and we begin to see the hand of God in a variety of ways. So if you would like to be counted among those who can hear the voice of God, please notice the things that Paul brings up in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and one of the things that he emphasizes when you look at verse 10, so I'll reread this for us in just a moment, he emphasizes the fact that certain truths can only be received if they're they're revealed. So think about that. Certain truths can only be received if they are revealed. Let me reread verse 10 for us. There it says this, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit for the spirit searches everything even the depths of god now in the verses we looked at last week when we were in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 yeah the apostle paul mentioning that the lord has good things in store for those who love him and let me just ask your opinion on this do you believe that the lord has good things in store for those who love him i believe that it impacts my perspective on my day to, in my day-to-day life and i'm certain it impacts Your perspective as well. And these are great things that are far beyond what what we've ever seen, far beyond what we could naturally imagine, but yet Scripture reveals that they are absolutely true. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we are guaranteed a place in God's eternal kingdom. And as we walk by faith, our hearts develop a deep confidence in the Lord and in His plan. We trust Him for things we have not yet seen, Scripture tells us that's the essence of faith, where you can trust the Lord for things you have not yet seen. Your heart can kind of see them already, even though your eyes haven't visibly seen them. And so we're trusting the Lord for these great and wonderful things that he's told us are in store for those who know him through Jesus Christ, but we're trusting him for things that we have not yet visibly seen. And Paul explains that this confident understanding that we have regarding things that we have not yet seen is directly connected to the fact that the Holy Spirit who lives within us has revealed these truths to us. The Holy Spirit has revealed these things to us. By the way, this is a unique privilege because the Holy Spirit does not live within everyone. Think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit does not live within everyone. This is a very unique privilege. Only those who trust in Jesus Christ are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And Scripture tells us that the unbelieving world experiences the conviction of the Holy Spirit in an external way. So from the outside, He convicts the unbeliever. From the inside, He works in the heart of the believer. A couple verses I want to show you. First is from John 14, verse 17. This is in regard to how the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer. And in John 14, verse 17, it says, "...even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive..." because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So that's for a believer. He lives in you as a believer. But for those who don't know the Lord, the Holy Spirit, Jesus says in John 16, verse 8, He says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So in an external way, The Holy Spirit is convicting even unbelievers of sin, righteousness, and judgment with the goal to ultimately help them become believers. But there is a distinction of how the Holy Spirit operates in the life of a believer versus how the Holy Spirit operates in the life of someone who does not believe. So the unbelieving world experiences the Spirit working on them from the outside. Believers experience Him working on us from within, And as He does His work, and please notice that I'm speaking of Him in a personal way. The Holy Spirit is not just a force or a power. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity. As He does His work, what He does is He shows us things we would not naturally perceive. He reveals things to us. So let me explain how this works. Even someone who does not believe in Jesus Christ can look at creation and can stare at what God has made, and observe at what God has made, and come to the conclusion that there must be an intelligent designer based on what you can see. Scripture makes that clear to us, that that you can look at creation and you can tell, you can see the fingerprints of God, you can tell that this must be intelligently designed by somebody. This isn't the type of thing that just comes about on its own. The laws operating and and, and functioning and sustaining these things. This is not the type of thing that would just happen. You can see the fingerprints of God on what He has made. But believers in Christ can also trust the fact that what we see will be remade and will no longer be corrupted by sin. So right now creation, we're told, is under the curse of sin. And the day is going to come when it's all going to be remade and will no longer be corrupted by sin. And we believe this. Why do we believe this? Why am I proclaiming this from this pulpit? Why, as believers, do we believe that information? Well, we believe that, and we even talk about that and know that because it's been, these are details that have been specifically revealed to us in Scripture. These are details about what's coming up next that we wouldn't naturally figure out. I wouldn't naturally figure out by looking at creation that the Lord is planning to remake it because presently it's been impacted by the stain of sin. These are details the Holy Spirit has specifically revealed to us in the Word of God about what's coming up next. We would not have naturally figured that part of the story out. These are truths that can only be known because they've been divinely revealed. And that's what Paul's explaining about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that He reveals things to us. And by the way, I believe that if you're walking in step with the Spirit, that if your life is yielded to the leadership of the Lord, that it's yielded to the control of the Lord, that if you're walking in step with the Spirit, He's going to also reveal things to you about your own life and about the lives of other people that you interact with that you would not have naturally known in any other way. Meaning, I have seen Him do this multiple times in my life where He's made something clear to me about another person or has made something that was hidden Obvious to me when I'm trying to help somebody, particularly in a counseling context. There are times, particularly in those counseling moments, where as somebody's sharing their story, they'll share the obvious thing, and I can sense that the Holy Spirit is telling me at times, ask this particular question, or ask if this ever happened, or ask something about this. And there are very clear moments in my life where I feel that for the benefit of somebody else, that the Holy Spirit has brought a thought or a question to my mind. That I don't think I would have naturally known, and that he's done that with the the desire to assist somebody with something that they've been struggling with. I think that's part of his ministry of revelation. I think that that's something that he does that's evidence of his internal presence in the life of a believer. And so the Apostle Paul, as he starts off the section that we're reading together today and studying together today, he explains to us that certain truths can only be received if they're revealed. And that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does for us. Now, Something else, you know, we're talking about the mind of Christ, how our perspective has changed, how we see things that we had not naturally seen. Well, through the Spirit, we begin to understand the plans and the purposes of God. Paul explains that in verses 11 and 12, where it says this, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Let's pause there for just a second. Um, Who of themselves, so just admit this for a second if if you wouldn't mind, um, who generally thinks that they are a nice person? to other people. Just raise your hand if you think you're a nice person, generally to other people. Some of you are not raising your hand, and I think you're nice. So do I only see your nice side? <laughs> All right. So generally speaking, you, you feel like you're, you're nice people. Most people I know would say, yeah, generally, I think I'm nice to other people. And um, even in my own life, I think generally speaking, I'm nice to people. Has anyone ever seen me, um, you know, maybe at my worst when i not so nice. Yeah, Mark's raising his hand. He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that. He, he really has. That's not even a joke. Like, he has. Mark and I have known each other for a long time. But I, somebody I recently met said to me, he says, you usually seem to be in a good mood. And he asked me this specifically about my role as pastor. He said, have you ever, like, gotten really mad at somebody? Or... And the way he phrased it was, he said, have you ever angrily lashed out at somebody? And I had to think for a second. I was like, have I? And I thought of one instance right away, and then after I was thinking about his question a little bit longer, I thought of another instance where I thought, oh, wait, there's not just one time. I can think of another time when I did that. Now, Mark, you weren't there for either of these, so you might have a list that's even longer than that. Uh, but I remember one particular moment happened when I was a young pastor. I was, I was brand new in the pulpit, and... Um, I had a very awkward experience. You know how I like to greet people after a worship service is over and I'll be talking to people? Uh, well, I was doing that at the church that I was serving at the time. And, um, and a woman came up to me after the service and started berating me in front of everybody. So everybody's there. We're all lined up greeting each other. Really not an appropriate time to do something like that. If I ever do something that irritates you, if we could have a private conversation, I would be okay with that. Um, but, but she just laid into me a, and I'm keep in mind I'm in my early 20s I'm brand new at this and I'm thinking to myself how do I respond to this and this is what she got mad at me about she got mad at me about the fact that a, a member of her extended family passed away and I did not come to the viewing now I certainly would have come to the viewing but here's the complicating factors I didn't know this person at all I didn't even know that they had passed away I didn't even know that there was a viewing. I didn't know any of this information. I'm hearing this for the first time from her, and she's mad at me that I didn't come to that, and she's really laying it on, you know, thick in front of people, and finally, I got to a spot where I was, I just kind of felt provoked, and this is what I said, and this is the quote as best as I can remember it. I said, I'm going to ask you to pause for a second. I'm good at a few things, but one thing that I am absolutely terrible at is reading people's minds. And I said, if you had told me about that, you know I would have come. If I knew anything about that, you know I would have come. But if you want me to be at something in the future, I'm going to need you to do me the favor and tell me about it. And I tried to keep my cool, but I know that my, my voice probably felt a little bit aggressive in that moment. It did pause the conversation, which I was grateful for. But it was one of those moments where I thought, Is it really your expectation that I would read your mind? How can I do that? I cannot do that. By the way, do you have anyone in your life that expects you to be able to read their mind? Don't answer that out loud. You're on the live stream, right? (laughs) Because I know you do. We all have people in our lives who expect us to be able to read their mind. And in the back of our mind, what are we thinking? That is impossible. I can't do that. If your expectation is that I'm going to be able to read your mind, you're going to spend a lot of time mad at me because I cannot do that. That's not something I could do. It's frustrating because it's impossible, right? We can't do it. Now, keep that in mind as we think about exactly what Paul said in this passage. He confirms that, that it's impossible to read one another's minds. He confirms that in this passage when he says this, who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him. It's the exact thing that he's saying. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So we know what we're thinking. I know what I'm thinking, right? You know what you're thinking. But others don't know that. They might guess, but they don't know unless we reveal our inner thoughts, unless we make it clear, unless we make it plain. Somebody's just going to be guessing they might be right in their guess or they might be wrong, but even if they are right in their guess, they don't really know until you reveal confirmation to them. So we don't know what each other is thinking unless we reveal it. Well, a similar thing can be, can be said regarding God. Unless God reveals his thoughts to us, how will we know what he's thinking? Unless He reveals that to us, how, is he going, how are we going to know what He's thinking? And you look at what Paul says in this passage, he teaches us in this passage that as believers in Jesus Christ who have the Holy Spirit living within us, please consider this an amazing privilege of being a follower of Christ. As believers in Christ who have the Holy Spirit living within us, we have been made able to understand the plans and the purpose of God. That's amazing. We have been divinely equipped, we've been made able to understand the plans and purposes of God. We've received the Spirit of God who makes us able to understand the things freely given to us by God. And as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we also have the mind of Christ. We have a new mind, a new ability to perceive. So with the, the Spirit of God and with the mind of Christ, our capacity to comprehend deeper level spiritual truths Is made possible. That is a gift from God to you through faith in your in in his Son Jesus Christ. That's a gift from God. You're able to understand and comprehend deeper level spiritual things that you would not naturally have understood. Through the Spirit, we understand the plans and the purposes of God. What a gift. But how about this? It's interesting when you continue to go through this portion of Scripture, the next thing that Paul then tells us as an outpouring of this. He he reveals to us that we are equipped to make known what the Spirit reveals to us. So you and I are equipped to let this be known to others, to make it known to others. Look at what he says in verse 13. He says, "...and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit." So he's talking about communicating these things, right? He says, "...and we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual." One of my favorite times during the week, I'm going to give a good plug for this right now and let you know that if you're ever available on Wednesday nights and the weather is nice, what we've been doing is meeting out here on the playground for an outdoor Bible study. And I'm mentioning this to those of you on the live stream as well. Join us. You know, if you're, I I recognize some people are comfortable gathering together in a building. Some people are more comfortable when you're out in the open doors. And so, um, or the out of doors, what is it? The out of doors, right? I know words right? Um, but we meet out here on the playground. We've been going through the early chapters in the Gospel of Luke. And it's one of my favorite times because it's, a Bible study like that is a little bit different than a sermon. So when I'm pre- preaching a sermon, it's not as much an interactive thing, although I do my best to sometimes be somewhat interactive. But a Bible study is nice because, and it's one of my favorite moments during the week because we actually have the opportunity to interact and hear each other's thoughts, and share insights. And there was even something that came up this past week that some of us were admitting. We were like, all right, that seems a bit confusing to us. And as we were chatting about it and discussing it, I really think we came to a much better understanding of one particular thing that was mentioned in that portion of Scripture. And so there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of discussion. And there's a lot of application through a context like that. And I bring that up because... When you think about a traditional teaching environment, in a traditional teaching environment, learning takes place when someone who is equipped to teach conveys information and then takes time to explain it. And I mention that because in the context of our outdoor Bible study, what we're doing there is we're showing that the Holy Spirit has actually equipped us all. There's nobody preaching in a context like that. We're discussing the Scripture. I'll facilitate the discussion. But then we all take a bite as we feel led. And what it ends up confirming is the fact that the Holy Spirit has equipped all of us. We have someone who's known the Lord for just a few months in that study. And we have others who have known the Lord for many, many years in that study. And what we're discovering is that the Holy Spirit has equipped us all. And we all have valuable things to contribute, valuable things to say. You know what's the most difficult thing to do when you're a pastor? Well, there's a few things, but this is one of them. Um, Convince people that they are equipped to teach or instruct. I saw one of the men of our church um, either last week or the week before. I noticed that he had volunteered to to teach children's church, and I thanked him. And I I said, most of our children's church uh, teachers are women. And I said, don't you think it's also useful for the young boys to see some of the men step up and do that too? And so I thanked him. I said, thank you for being willing to do that because we don't have a lot of men that have done that so far. And why is that? Well, I think a lot of us are freaked out at the thought of teaching and instructing and communicating. It's one of the hardest things to convince people to do. And yet you look at what Paul says in this portion of Scripture. He tells us what? That we've been equipped to make known what the Spirit has revealed. We're equipped to do this. You know, in the context of the church, we have been equipped to do this. As believers in Christ, we're equipped to do this. And you know what the biggest obstacle probably... So I don't know what you're thinking right now, but I'm going to try and read your mind. But I won't know unless you confirm that I'm accurate here, all right? But here's what I think is one of the biggest obstacles to most people being willing to teach something to somebody else, even in a church context, even to young children. I think typically the thing that gets in the way, the biggest obstacle tends to be their own self-doubt, meaning you're probably comparing yourself right now to somebody else that you think knows more than you. And so you're saying, all right, well, they know more than me, so I'm just going to keep preaching a message of self-doubt to my heart, and then I won't do anything because somebody else might know more than me, and I'll diminish my own ability, and then I just won't do anything. Well, that's productive, right? Let's just do nothing because here's the thing. There's always somebody who knows more about something in any particular subject than any one of us. That should never prevent us from doing what the Lord's called us to do, because here's the thing, as a believer in Jesus Christ, the same spirit that lives in the person that you think knows more than you also lives in you. The same spirit that equipped the Apostle Paul is the same spirit who lives in you as you also trust in Jesus Christ. The same spirit that equipped Paul equipped you. So He took the risk and spoke up. I think we should take the risk and speak up because we're equipped to convey this. We doubt that we're equipped to convey something of value to somebody else, but here's the interesting thing. There are people in your life who know you, love you, and trust you, and they have watched your life over the course of a long period of time, and they can see that you're a reliable witness. And they are more likely to listen to the gospel truth be proclaimed from your lips because they have seen your lifestyle back up that you actually believe it than they are to listen to whoever you think they they would be more likely to listen to. They're more likely to listen to you because they trust you and they know that you mean what you say. So why not you? Why wait for somebody else to speak up? We can speak up. We can convey. Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. And if the Spirit lives within us, we're equipped to impart spiritual truths to others. You have the Apostle Paul here stating that the things he was sharing with the church in Corinth were words that were taught to him by the Holy Spirit. So let me ask this, again, trying to be somewhat personal here, but what is the Holy Spirit teaching you that he wants you to be imparting to somebody else? What is he teaching you that he wants you to impart to somebody else? What's he clarifying to your mind from his word that he wants you to pass along to somebody else in your day-to-day life, someone who knows you, someone who trusts you, someone who respects you. And I readily admit that most people are probably not willing to stand in a pulpit to do that. But that is not the only way. And in fact, that's where the least amount of communication tends to take place. Communication takes place in all sorts of realms, through letters, through conversations, Through social media posts. So maybe you're not willing to get up and deliver a sermon. That is fine. It's great job security for me. Thank you. Uh, But are you willing to send a letter? Are you willing to have a conversation? Are you willing to text somebody? Are you willing to post something? Convey what the Spirit is teaching you for the benefit of somebody else so that they too can grow in faith along with you. Somebody trusts you more than they trust other people, and they're more likely to listen from you than they are to listen to somebody else. Let me share one last thing as we look at this portion of Scripture. Again, it's the second part of verse 13, so I'll reread verse 13 in a moment. But here's the thing. Understand this. Spiritual truths can only ultimately be understood in their fullness by those who are spiritual. That's what Paul's conveying here. He says again in verse 13, he says, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who who are spiritual. Anyone here ride a motorcycle? Presently? A couple people? A few. Oh, I see. I saw four hands. Okay. Anyone do it in the past, but you don't do it now? All right. Anyone think they're pr- particularly good at it? By the way, my, my son, who recently turned uh, 18, su- surprised me with something recently. He's like, hey, Dad, I bought a motorcycle. <laughs> you what? <laughs> and then I'm trying not to react as he said that. I bought a motorcycle. It's like, not, a, not an on-road thing, an off-road thing that he keeps at his friend's house. And I was like, he did. I was like, well, tell me about it. And so he was telling me about it. And it sounds, you know, it's a pretty cool bike. And he, you know, has sent me some video of that. And I, I, he's been enjoying that and seems pretty good at riding it. And um, it, it's, it's a Honda, you know, and he, he knows that I like Hondas. And so I was like, okay, cool. I came across something this week that I couldn't wait to share with you. Mostly because it's ridiculous. I'm just going to admit that up front. But in 1962, Honda released um, just rules for riding a motorcycle. And what they did was, as their products were becoming more and more popular here in the United States, they decided, well, it'd probably be a good idea for us to translate our rules for riding a motorcycle from Japanese into English. If our, if our products are becoming popular in the United States, we've got to have English instructions. And so they, they translated them from Japanese to English. And let me read the initial group of instructions that they gave in their manual in 1962. Tell me if this translation makes sense to you. Rule number one, at the rise of the hand of policemen, stop rapidly. Do not pass him by or otherwise disrespect him. We get that one, right? All right, rule number two. By the way, rule number two is my favorite. When a passenger of the foot hooves in sight, tootle the horn trumpet melodiously at first. (laughs) If he still obstacles your passage, tootle him with vigor and express by word of mouth warning, hi, hi. (laughs) So if you see anybody, you know, hey, hi, hi. Right? You you got to stop them. Hey. We would say, hey, they say hi. Okay. How about this? Rule number three, beware... Of the wandering horse that shall not take his fr- or that shall take fright as you pass him, do not explode the exhaust box at him, go smoothingly by rule number four: give big space to the festive dog that makes spot in roadway or sport in roadway. Avoid entanglement of dog with wheel spokes. <laughs> Be very careful. all right, rule number five this one 's pretty good too. Go soothingly on the grease mud as there lurks the skid demon. (laughs) Press the brake foot as you roll around the corners and save the collapse and tie up. Very clear. You didn't know, but you just were blessed today with the ability to ride a motorcycle, right? We all understand how to do it now. Those are the rules. I just clearly explained it to you, right? We all know how to do it, right? I love that. I just read that for the first time this week. It cracked me up. And these safety rules, you know, they're entertaining to read, right? I think it would be much more helpful if they were interpreted more clearly in the language that we speak. I think a native Japanese speaker at the time when they were first written down would not have needed them to be translated because he would have understood them in their original form. But our ability to to comprehend spiritual truth, it operates in the same way. You know, we look at that, we're trying to discern, we're trying to figure out, what's the writer of this trying to tell me? And Paul indicates that in this passage, think about this, that spiritual truths are understood by those who are spiritual, which likewise also indicates that spiritual truths are not understood by those who are not spiritual. So here's a question for you right now, and we're going to wrap up maybe in 60 seconds or maybe not. We'll see how it goes. But I really do want you to ask this big question. Do you actually understand what God is trying to say, or does the truth of His Word remain foreign to your heart? Do you get it? Do you understand what He's trying to say in the message of the gospel, and the message of the, the totality of the Scriptures? Many people, even professing believers, keep falling into the trap of believing worldly philosophies cultural mantras, and the false teaching of today's talking heads, because they're trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. And so our question for ourselves today is, all right, where where am I trying to plant my feet? Where are my feet planted? What makes sense to my mind? You know, do my core convictions, which, by the way, are always demonstrated by your lifestyle, right? Right? What I believe is going to be demonstrated by my lifestyle. What you believe is going to be demonstrated by your lifestyle. So do your core convictions align with the clear teaching of God's Word? If you know Christ, please ask Him to clarify this for you. Ask Him to grant you a a greater glimpse of what He sees. Ask Him to grant you the desire to ingest and apply His Word to your life. And if as of yet you're not convinced that you know Christ in a personal way, if you just know about Him but you don't know Him in a personal way, what I want you to do is this. I want you to just, with with an open heart and an open mind, just ask Him to convince you of the truth. Just ask Him to convince you of the truth. Ask Him to open your eyes to see what you need to see. And when we see what we need to see, when we understand what the Lord wants us to understand, we find ourselves in a spot where we begin to understand what God is trying to say because He opens our eyes, He opens our minds as we trust in Jesus Christ and we are indwelled in that moment by the Holy Spirit. We receive the mind of Christ, we receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and we begin to understand what God is trying to communicate and we hear and understand what He's trying to say. That is His desire for us. It's not his desire just for a small select group of people. It's it's his desire for you. It's his desire for me. And he offers himself to us. He wants to be known by us. But to know him, we need to trust him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be able to look at your word together. Thank you for the things that you've revealed to us in it. Thank you for the fact that that your goal is not to confuse us. Your goal isn't to, to puzzle us. Your goal is to reveal yourself to us. And Lord, we recognize that there are plenty of us that can point to different seasons of our lives where we could say we were absolutely not interested in hearing anything from you. And I know when I'm transparent and honest about those moments in my life, it was typically because I was taking my life in a direction that was the opposite of what you would encourage me to do. And because I was taking my life in an unhealthy direction... I didn't want to hear your voice because I knew you were going to tell me to stop. And so, Lord, we pray that if we're going in a direction that you don't want us to go in, we pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice and that we would stop and that we would recalibrate as your Spirit enables us to understand and perceive truth. We pray that we would take your Word seriously, that we'd spend time reading it, that we'd understand it, And that we would rejoice in the fact that we have the mind of Christ through faith in Your Son. We are given His mind and we can understand things that we would not naturally understand. We have Your Spirit living within us who reveals things to us that we would not naturally figure out. Lord, this is a privilege. And again, we know that many people are not interested in experiencing or exercising this privilege. But Lord, for those of us that are under the the teaching and hearing of Your Word together today, we pray that this is something that You would convict us about, that we would value this, that this would matter to us, and that this would directly impact how we go about today and every day of our lives. We want to hear your voice. We don't want to be people who spend our lives with our hearing and our perception drowned out by whatever cultural thought of the day or whatever a a news anchor is trying to tell us or whatever it may be, Lord. There are so many sources of information that I think are just so questionable and we want to hear your voice, we want to hear the ultimate authority, and that we want to live out the truth in every context that you place us in. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to do so. Thank you for opening our eyes and opening our minds to see the truth of your gospel. And by your grace, we pray that we would walk with you faithfully today and every day in every context you place us in. We commit ourselves to you now, and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.